I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Welcome to Scam Wow. I'm Caitlin Brodnick. I'm your host, and I love scams. I love scams. I love you. I'm so fucking happy to be your host. So thrilled for the Scam Wow community. I cannot thank you guys enough. Um, it is, there's, I don't have, I feel like I never have many updates, and then suddenly I realize my life is actually crazy. I do have updates. Um, I was away last week and Kate did our opening, which was so nice. Kate is the MVP producer forever and Jess, our incredible editor. Um, And I was at this amazing resort in Western Maryland and I have to shout out Savage River Lodge. You guys, if you wanna go get away, Alan and I were like in a cabin. We had no TV, limited cell phone service. And so you were just, and you'd, you'd think like after COVID, you wouldn't want to spend any more time with your spouse, but there was something about nobody expected anything from us. Lewis was at his grandparents' house. He was so happy and they had an incredible time. My parents are amazing. They took great care of him. My aunts and uncles, he had the best time of his entire life with his cousins and he was just thrilled. And Alan and I could just be together with no pressure, which is pretty incredible. I think even with the isolation of COVID, there's still this underlying pressure, whether you get it on social media or friends or just your own pressure to measure up, level up, keep up to speed, even though we're all crippled by COVID and all these restrictions. It was so nice to have none of that. The people were so amazing. The food was delicious and I'll say, Maybe you too could get $45 knocked off your bill because a maintenance man accidentally walks in on you and your husband. That's all I'm saying. I I really did like the spa. They have yurts, they have camping, they have tons of relaxation. And you know, sometimes people accidentally open the door without knocking and you and your husband scream at them, please leave. And that poor guy was so scared. He like fell down the stairs of our little tiny cabin. And that's okay. You know, we've all learned, we've all loved, and you know me guys, I love a deal. So we got $45 knocked off that shit. And I was like, okay, is it worth it? It is, it's worth it. So shout out again, if you wanna have an amazing vacation and hopefully fingers crossed, you get your deal too. Uh, Savage River Lodge is where you should go if you're ever in Maryland. 
And you guys, today's topic is so funny because while we were away on this vacation, Lewis was with my mom and my mom rides horses. Like she's always ridden horses. She got me horseback riding lessons and the teacher turned to her and was like, I don't think Katie actually is comfortable at all. And I think you want to ride the horses. And so my mom, it's her passion. It keeps her happy. It's her therapy. Like after she rides a horse, you can see she feels fulfilled and is thrilled and is alive. And it's, it's incredible. So Lewis now loves horses. And if you ask him what his favorite smell is, he says it's sheep. Yes. Sheep, the animal, multiple sheep is his favorite smell because he loves petting zoos and he loves going and seeing the animals. And anytime we go to a petting zoo and if there isn't a horse, he's quite upset. And he's like, there should be a horse here. So shout out to horse Spike and horse Artie, which my son can't stop talking about. We love them. But this episode, guys, we're talking about people that are scamming using horseback riding as an excuse to upcharge you for therapy treatments. So just to make clear, I love horses. I hug horses. You know, do I like jumping horses in competition? No. Did that one horse, Oceanaut, run away with me in a competition and I scream my head off? Yes. And did I choose a high impact aerobic song to do a horse routine to? <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. I did. Um, apparently, you're not supposed to have like really intense jumpy music when you're doing a horse event. If you're riding a horse for like a show because it gets them nervous. But I chose the rhythm of the night. All right. Yeah. And uh, my horse freaks out. And so that's why I shall not ride in competition again. Um, so today is about horses, the people that take you take advantage of you. We have Jess Keith, who's incredible. She's a writer. She's written for Teen Vogue. She's written for Runner's World. She's written for a, a boatload of things. She's really funny. She came from us by Ellen Hahn, who's our, you know, MVP scamspondent. It's just been lovely. And guys... I want to say thanks again. Thanks, Jen, for being a new Patreon patron. If you check on Patreon and look up Scam Wow, we're there. And we have tons of back episodes. The first one was Sue and I walking through a Target in California for the first time together. These are off-topic episodes. They are things where we confess what our medication doses are. Um, we talk about sex life. We talk about life. It's just it's things that we want to get more up close and personal about and we don't always want to put it on our main feed because we'd rather have it be a little bit password protected maybe financially protected as well who can say so check that out on eight on patreon.com i want to say thanks again for all of your rates and reviews the reviews i try not to but i read every single one of them and they mean so much to me so thank you for writing the nice things and if you could keep doing that my self-esteem like is really good it's I'm, i will be okay and that's it. I, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. I want to say thanks to Jess. Thanks to Kate. Thanks to Ellen. Thanks to Jess. <laughs> we, have, we have two Jesses. I don't want to say just one and two because that makes somebody second. So Jess and Jess. Oh, and I have to preface the reason I'm so quietly speaking is because my son is asleep in the next room and he can't wake up. I can't have him ruin this for me. Okay. I got to get it to you guys. I got to get this intro in. I've missed you all. This is when I'm doing it. I'm doing it like almost in the middle of the night. So it's sort of like a secret intro because, you know, we're all in this together. I love you guys. Enjoy. Hi, Jess. Hi. <laughs> I am so thrilled to have you here because, first of all, you're just like a lovely person and you've written for so many things that I really love. I, I'm starting running and you've written for Runner's World magazine and I'm like, tell me about it. Yes, welcome. I know. <laughs> I'm a writer, she's written for MTV. She's written for, I believe, Vogue. Like you've done- Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue, yeah. yes. Teen Vogue, <laughs> which is actually the one we read. Right, it's a cool one, right? <laughs> which is actually the one. Yeah. You're incredible. And we have you on here today and you're writing a book that's coming out in 2022. Yes. I want to hear all about it. Of course, if you're a friend from Ellen's, like you have a wonderful book out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ellen is thrilled. amazing. Yes. She's um, amazing. Yeah. So my book uh, is, I, I think the title is going to change, but it is right now called sure. 
the long run. And it is, it's it's a memoir with elements of nonfiction that is going through my life. I'm training for my first half marathon, so we can talk about the running stuff. And in the context of um, my younger brother, with whom I was very, very close, um, struggled with addiction for probably most of our adult lives, in addition to mental health struggles and all kinds of other stuff that typically it's rarely just addiction. Right. And, um, he passed away in 2015, um, overdosed. Yeah. And so so thank you. Um, it is strange to feel that distance now, like as every time, you know, I used to say 2015 and it was last year, right? Now I say 2015 and that was six years ago. Um, so the the time doesn't matter to anybody else. Like don't, don't you, yeah. Don't worry about qualifying it for us. Cause we're also just like any losses. (laughs) fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be yesterday it could be tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And especially ago. now, I mean, the past year, um, the drug supply is so poison that it's been really horrible and the, the loss has only kind of ticked up from there. So well, first of all, I'm so glad you're writing the book because it's really needed. And it's really, I always think another, another take is completely welcome. Another fresh take, another experience, because that is the thing that we're all going through these traumas, these life experiences, but everyone handles it differently. Mm-hmm. And we've got to share how we handled it. Because yeah. if you're going through it, I, you go through something in your life and you're like, well, I don't qualify. I don't mm-hmm. look like this. I don't look like this old man smoking a cigarette. So I, there's no way I can be an alcoholic. Like you mm-hmm. have these ideas in your head or mm-hmm. there's no way I can go through this trauma because I'm not a mother with a child in another country. Like you just mm-hmm. you create this person that deserves compassion, sympathy, and to share their experience. But then when you write what actually happened to you, there is there are so many people that can relate because it's, yes. we're so similar. Yeah. And it's like what we were saying before, right? It's like, we're, we're, I think um, we're always very quick to, you know, uh, qualify what our experience and sort of diminish what happened yes. and be like, oh, well, you know, it's not like this happened or like that happened. But, yes. you know, when anything that I think can be excavated for, um, learning about what happened Mm -hmm. and how to possibly prevent it or how to better understand it. You know, I think, um, there are a lot of really incredible books already that exist on this topic, um, about, you know, being in recovery or about a loss in that way. I felt like, you know, when I was going through, you know, losing my brother in this way, it felt very odd because it was such a, um, I think in the grief groups, uh, there's a term mm-hmm. called disenfranchised grief or disenfranchised okay. loss. And it's, it sort of speaks to the experience of when you lose someone in a way that you, fe- that is, so, is kind of socially unacceptable. Um, I see like you can't, yeah. Yes. And so, the sympathy uh, yeah. is different. Mm-hmm. The response is different. Yes, it is. The social, yes. Especially during social media, the mm-hmm. impact is different. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it was it, figuring out how to reflect that story in a way that could potentially help uh, other people, you know, I'm helping people, you know, like, no, I just felt like there was nothing for me. You 100% are. Wait, you, no, 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 you're 100% are. Like, literally, that is the way, also from writing a book, that's the way you get the book out. Like, yeah. the book is going to be a tool. You are going to have somebody reading this going, finally, somebody fucking said, like, you can be a little angry or you can be a little mm-hmm. sad or lonely. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so happy for you that you're writing this and doing this because it will be a complete service for people. Thank you. The the thing that I kept, you know, we dealt with this with my brother for such a long time. And um, mm-hmm. it was it, it was such a weird experience of being in like a hospital and like mm-hmm. being in this environment where you're expecting medical care and kind of just like not getting yes. it. I, I think that uh, that is that the tide is starting to change there. But I think it's um, a frustratingly slow <laughs> tide. Oh, <laughs> crazy frustrating. Yeah, I. I I read all these articles in prep too, and it said that like one in four Massachusetts doctors had any training in that one of the studies that came out in sort of in opiate overdose. And this concept that like, I also read too that doctors now, you know, who just got out of med school within the last 10 years have more training on addiction and recovery and mental health than they did years ago. So if you have Mm -hmm. a senior doctor who- is I'm sure they're incredible, they're wonderful, they're respected, but they also haven't had the same amount of training right. as these new doctors coming in. So you have, you just have a mix of people. It's a roll of the dice, right? Like you yeah. don't really know who you're going to end up with. And, and it's people are, you know, like our mm-hmm. um, peers 
are, I think, leading the charge in that way because it's like, we're the ones watching all our friends die. You know, like this is our yeah. generation's problem in a, in a mm-hmm. huge, in like a much more dire way um, mm-hmm. than I think it has been for previous generations. Um, and obviously now we're finally oh, yeah. getting into like untangling all the like deep, deep racism that's at the root of all, all oh, yeah. um, you know, drug treatment and policy and all of that stuff. So it feels like an exciting time in that way. Um, and I think mm-hmm. there, I think that, you know, if you go into the doctor's office and you, you're experiencing someone who not only has that training in in mental health care, but addiction care and like gender affirming mm-hmm. care, like it's all, you know, it's all coming up. And I, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, great up. things um, from the younger, God bless them. Like, go, I can't even imagine, you know, going to medical school and all that stuff. So great job <laughs> yeah. to everyone. Every time I see I one, I, just, still I want to cry. An hour. <laughs> they're, they're so nice. Oh, me too. I know. They're <laughs> but, so nice. Yeah. It, I think that's the thing I have with my own like medical experiences that everything's sort of like cloaked in this adult male medical terms Absolutely. that made me feel like I wasn't even invited, like yep. made me feel like I couldn't even approach it or address it. And that makes things feel so murky. And it, there's just something about hearing it in a voice of one of your peers, somebody who's just not yeah. a 75 year old white male doctor. It feels so different and revolutionary just because you're communicating differently. Yeah. And that is sort of the thing too, that was sort that was uh, pretty shocking to me. Like after, um, after Matt died, I was sort of like became very like obsessed with this topic and was just like spending a lot of time like reading about it. I thought, you know, I don't know. I I was looking in like peer reviewed medical journals and finding like kind of a lot of information about what's effective and and what, and and how Mm -hmm. effectively addiction can be treated. And, and this was stuff from like, decades ago and i was like yeah why aren't we doing this this is this is this is cuckoo like what are you kidding yes. me all this good information is out there and 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 so little of it is is being um actually implemented because this industry over the course of maybe you know uh, the past century has become so f- rife with um scammers unfortunately that really is kind of what it is um so and i also think like big business like i think big business like lobbyists and stuff like they don't want to put money towards it or they think it's like fancier to put money government wise towards other programs and well and that's a it's a huge problem too because the yeah. um lately with all the ex, uh, uh, i mean the the the, the, the addiction crisis and the overdose crisis specifically being at such a fever yeah. pitch there is a yeah. lot of federal energy around like how can we get money to states to implement things like how can we get these grants out and they're sending money to states but the treatment infrastructure isn't quite there always. So this money sometimes is pouring into precisely the sorts of people and treatment (gasps) programs and stuff that you wouldn't want necessarily receiving this. So it's hard because I think there's a lot of will uh, more, more than ever to, you know, fund these things and get the ball rolling. Yes. Yes. But on the ground, the people providing the services and what is actually offered and what is actually there for people is not always up to snuff. So it's this like, there's a middle, there's like a gap in the middle where there's like a lot of important stuff missing. <laughs> you're right. You're yeah, right. It I, sucks. That's amazing. No, this is like, I do feel that this is a turning point, but what, and what we're talking about today are scammers with these addiction centers mm-hmm. and things that aren't working well. And I even, I read a quote of some guy that was like, yeah, I lied all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, uh, okay, so do you want to start yeah. us with the topic? Because you brought the topic sure. in, and it's great. Yeah, yes, okay. yes. So I thought this would be a good one because I think um, just the phrase "horse therapy" is funny, and I think that yeah. it's like a good starting point because it sort of it sort of illustrates like a lot of the ridiculousness um, in like sort of a perfect way. But like the first thing <laughs> I want to say is that um, horses are lovely. And they're great. A horse there. If you're a person who like works in a stable or loves horses or, or has found my horses, mother, right? Like therapy. Yes, th- my there whole is, family. L- great. Like that's wonderful. Like horses are wonderful and, uh, and they're mighty beasts. And if they help you therapeutically, that's legitimate. Like that is great. Oh yes. And she so, gets incredible. No shade. My mom gets an incredible experience from horses. Like I feel more comfortable around them. Mm-hmm. There's this, there are places where you just go and you can be around animals and I feel more at peace. I feel more centered. There is such a, there's so much that animals can give you and that type of being around them therapy can give you, but we're not talking about that today. Absolutely. Right. We're not talking about that. We love that. We We respect that. that. Checking people that use horses to scam. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's like, so, uh, right, exactly. So horse therapy, you know, in concept is not a scam. And there is like, there is like literature, like, you know, I found there was a, 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 
a piece in Nursing Open, a peer-reviewed journal by, by about, you know, the sort of history of using horse-assisted therapy or animal therapy for various sorts of physical and mental yes. um, illnesses and, and, you know, the, the effects that it has there. Great. Perfect. Um, However, what often ends up happening in the world of addiction treatment is something gets latched onto and it just gets this sort of like superpower through like the game of telephone. Right. So it's like it's, it's so the most important thing about addiction treatment is that. Well, not the, I mean, there's many elements of good treatment, but one of the most important ones is a customized, individualized plan. So every single person who goes through this is different. And every single person who goes through this is going to have, be bringing different things to the table, different needs, different illnesses that co-occur, all that stuff. Everybody needs an individualized plan. But but a lot of what ends up happening in the world of addiction treatment is hucksters kind of come in and are like, I found the way. This the is the way. Plan. Yep. And and if you just listen to me, everything will be hunky dory. Yeah. So things like, you know, I mean, like meetings, like AA, NA, like those meetings can be hugely helpful for people and are a big, big, valuable assist for a lot of people who go through this. Some people who, a lot of people who go through this, it's not very helpful. Um, and they don't benefit the same way from meetings. And those people aren't failures, right? Like those people aren't not wanting it bad enough or whatever they just need a different option so what ends up happening in addiction treatment is like one thing gets elevated to this level of like this is the thing and i think that kind of happened with horse therapy in these residential rehab environments i agree and i think too that as as you're saying this i'm there's an element with like addiction and as we talked about like the the embarrassment of it the um other than feeling like something's wrong with you but also not wanting to admit that you failed, like all these different things. So if somebody comes to you with a therapy that is like the nicest, bougiest, prettiest thing, and they say like, look, everybody does regular therapy with like healthy medications and like a medical team, but I'm going to yes. show you a different therapy yes. because you're so special. Oh my God, we're that so is special. true. Yes. And we're going to have this fancy therapy and don't worry, you're not a bad person because immediately once you admit, uh, you know, I, you feel like a horrible, disgusting person. Like you feel mm-hmm. like the dregs of the earth when you admit that like something is running your life mm-hmm. and you know it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So to compensate for that, at least when I got sober, they're like, yeah, you could be. Let's get you better. Like they, they weren't they weren't trying to yes. say it. They were yes. just like, yeah, get, get yourself better, girl. Let's go. Yeah. But but if a center comes to you, says they're world renowned, says mm-hmm. celebrities go here mm-hmm. and say, you might feel like you're at the bottom of the bottom, but you're just, you're just, you know, so lucky because you get to be at this spa to make yep. you, to coddle you, make you feel better. That is so addictive. Yeah. Uh, the concept yeah. of it being pampered in yes. pain is also addictive. That is so true. And I think that that is a huge reason why these places continue to be so successful yes. is because of exactly what you just said. That is perfect. Like, you know, it's like, the methadone clinic is for yeah. a, a certain sort of person, um, but right. Malibu, whatever the hell, is for you, you know? So, for sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, methadone clinics aren't necessarily, like, pumping out the spray of, like, an herbal essence commercial. Exactly. Like, they're not, like, they're not, like, next to a waterfall. No. They don't have, like, beautiful hand sanitizer and, like, Absolutely. ladies to at the door. People in methadone clinics, usually the ones I've been near, people are running out screaming. Uh-huh. And that's just the and situation. They, yeah. And you have to lie, and this is, and this, there, this serves, and this is the sort of thing that's that feels really crazy making when you start to look into this stuff. Is you, yeah. you learn about procedures around why things are done, and you're like, well, surely there's like a reason. It might not be a good reason, but like there must be a reason. And a lot of times, like there is no reason. So like a lot of the things they do at methadone clinics, like making people li- like you know kind of do this walk of shame, right? They have to like line up. Yes, you guys stand up. there and wait in the in the cold weather. Um, you know, like during the pandemic, in a lot of states in New York, um, they started offering take home methadone to patients because of the quarantine. And guess what? It was a huge success. Um, no one yes. was like abusing the methadone. Um, everyone was taking their medication as prescribed because they're, they're, you know, they're people. So the way that they people are kind of lined up in shame. Exactly. So the way that we've set this up and so it sort of incentivizes in, uh, in its backward way, right? Like you don't want to go, you know, be, uh, be, you know, in the shame environment. shamed yeah. by something you're already struggling with. Like exactly. it's, this has also happened with, we can get into this and I'm sure like racism and in the Mm -hmm. 80s and big business Mm -hmm. that like they made a lot of money off of shaming people that were hooked on all kinds of opiates because it 
it made an us versus them. Mm-hmm. It made a good versus bad. And mm-hmm. instead of looking at, the, as we're saying, the individual person and how this happened, how they're coping. And yeah, that the methadone clinics that there's some remarkable stuff happening in Canada. There's some remarkable things mm-hmm. happening in Colorado where mm-hmm. they're they're helping people, assisting with overdoses, mm-hmm. the nurses sitting in the room with you if you need to have a heroin dose. And people mm-hmm. are not overdosing because they see another human being. They're not alone. They're mm-hmm. not hopeless. There exactly. is another way out. It, it, there's so many of these like wonderful things that could be changing that yes. slowly, hopefully will. It's an exciting Sorry, time. Sorry, we yeah. got off the topic. No, this is no it's not. This is, no, overdose, okay. I mean, you, you overdoses. Bet, the more money you anyone can you know invest in an overdose prevention center, which is what you're describing, which are yes. wonderful facilities that have been heavily researched in other countries. Um, and they, you know, They're basically so the wonderful. bottom line is not a single person has died in an overdose prevention center. No. That's literally why they exist. So if that- And they're you, there it, to monitor. Exactly. Because, so people think an overdose, well- ignorant people and business people and sort of like lobbyists who are looking for a more conservative, rigid way have presented these overdose clinics as a place where people go, they get crazy and the nurses let you, like it's like an LSD party. Yeah, like party. Nurse, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, and the nurses all, let oh. you get wasted. None of that's true. It's like a sterile clinic. That's right. And I do believe like as a person, you know, you do sober up going inside of a sterile clinic, mm-hmm. doing something that you know is harming you. The nurse is there to help you because she, they're aware that you could harm yourself. It's a it's a very sobering experience. And I think a lot of ways, if somebody has the opportunity to go to a clinic like that, they can get so much yes. help. The minute you, physical, yeah. Oh yeah. And they're ready. Like, you know, the minute you go ready, in there, yeah. they're kind of like, you can go in there and be like, I need to use heroin and I would like to use heroin. And they're going to be like, great, no problem. They're going to watch you, make sure you're healthy, treat you with respect and you're on your way. But like the minute you go in there and I'm like, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, I kind of feel like I'm ready for a change. Like, they are so ready to help you with that, too. So, like, not only is it a place where people aren't dying, but it's a place where you can get someone on the track to actual, you know, person-first care that is treating people with respect rather than sort of, like, dragging people away to these, like, institutions or or whatever. Um, Exactly. And and the thing, too, is that, like, every... I don't think people realize this. We talk about this enough. Like you can decide you've messed up and you want to do better, and that might be not be the time you actually get sober. Like yep. you, it might take six or seven times, mm-hmm. and it might take years, or it might take like a bunch of mishaps because you can't really for each individual person like when that shift clicks and you go like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I need to make a change. So you don't know if it's your third visit at the overdose clinic or if it's your first visit. And right, and so that's also it's kind of those are sort of the odds to look at as well that you can't mm-hmm. say it's not a one-size-fits-all. Addiction isn't a one-size-fits-all. Literally, it's not a one-size-fits-all dose. We're getting yeah. different doses from That's different right. dealers, from different That's people. Right. Like, That's right. It's anything. Yeah. And you no know, one knows, so you, you know, and that and that's the other thing, right, about the, the supply right now being so poison. I mean, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not just, you know, not that it, it, no one should be overdosing, period, but you're also seeing people like, um, really casual cocaine Concoction. users and sort of like yeah. it's it's everywhere um, and it's very, very dangerous. So, you know, I think that thinking about and 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 that the other thing, too, right, is that like uh, it's not everyone using illicit drugs is um, has an actual addiction problem that they need to go to rehab to address. Right. So like mm-hmm. there's the issue of like making sure that people are alive is important mm-hmm. is first. And then, you know, the people who are in a place where they need help um, can get to that help in a more uh, respectful, affirming way mm-hmm. rather than, you know, a lot of these rehabs as well that are, are, are um, uh, really attached to drug courts um, and, mm-hmm. and are really, you know, entrenched in the sort of broader criminalization of drug use because, you know, that's their okay. bread and butter. They want people to be referred from the drug court. That's for how they of, make like, their money. Mandated. Yeah. Like, and, you know, so it's like, you know, there's a, there's a whole range of like, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, the kind of what you, we were talking about before, like the kind of celebrity, like, oh, I'm having mm-hmm. a mental breakdown kind of vacation experience. And sometimes it's, you know, like even when people are given the option of like, you know, and it sort of sounds good again, it's like one of those things that like sounds like it should work. And and, and for some individuals, I think it does, but on a, on a across the board level, having a judge say to you, you know, you can go to prison or you can go to this treatment that we've picked out for you. That's sort of fucked up too. Right. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, like, and so, and the, and when you go to the treatment program, you know, very, very rarely, um, are you going to get care that's rooted in 
peer-reviewed evidence that works. And that's the frustrating thing about it, right? Is that I think also too, these rehabs benefit from there being this sort of like mysticism around addiction and sort of this like, it's this intractable problem that like we just gosh don't know. Like we Mm -hmm. do know, like there is a lot of information out there about what works Mm -hmm. and what's effective. Like that is knowable. Everyone's Mm -hmm. different and everyone, and it can be very frustrating, you know, watching someone go through things and certain treatments aren't working, certain treatments are, Mm -hmm. but like from a research perspective, the, like there's a lot research of people, out there. A lot of people who are much it's smarter than new. me feel very confident that, like, you know, the, there are basic things that can be done to help people. So I think, or at that, least there's like a handful of things. So yeah, if the first one doesn't work, we have we to study exactly. seventeen different. You know, like yeah. there's it, there has been so much studied and focused, and I I do think it's it um it's like a larger government problem that people have just like not thought it was something they wanted on their docket or something that they really mm-hmm. wanted to focus on because mm-hmm. it wasn't as glamorous as like another issue they would pick. Um, but yeah, so I want to hear more about this. I, I will say one quote that I read really quick. NPR did an amazing piece on this, guys. I have it linked. I'll have it linked in our show notes. And there's this asshole <laughs> named Dr. Howard Samuels. And he says, God damn. So now, so he used to work for a profit rehab in the profit rehab industry. Mm-hmm. And now he works for like a smaller, littler profit rehab. Mm. But he says, it's horrific. There isn't any reform. Then he says, I don't know what you're going to get because when you call the admission for treatment centers, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Mm. And Samuel said that he did provide spa-like amenities, horseback riding, fine cruises, and swimming, oh, fine cuisine and swimming pool that had no proven therapeutic value. And he said, I'm one of the first people who created this, Samuels told NPR, noting that the rates at his inpatient program ran as high as $60,000 a month. <sighs> then the quote he says, I can't believe this person's still a business. He says, you have to seduce the client in by having nice accommodations. That's so manipulating no you just have to get the client sober you don't Uh, have to seduce the client and that's the basis of what we're talking about today are these other tactics and seduction and you know persuasive techniques when you already have a person in complete pain and disarray needing treatment that is Yes. Oh my God. That, but it's like that also too, it's like so much, so often like the call is coming from inside the house. Like it is yes. very much, it's very much like that. I think you can leave sketch with the hot dog suit guy and it's him being like, we're all trying to figure out like who's responsible for this. And it's like, clearly you're responsible for this. You drove the hot dog truck into the store. You're wearing the hot dog outfit. Everyone knows it was you. So there's a lot of people who work in, um, in this kind of bigger rehab industry who are, uh, it's hard, right? You know, I, I don't want to assume, you know, it's hard to assume intentions, right? And I know a lot, you know, there are, there are also too, too, are so many people who work in this industry who are like trying very hard oh, to do the right thing and like want to be helped. Yes, I know yes. people who are like incredible so counselors. Many, so many incredible people out there, but we're it's like, we're not talking about them though. Exactly. We're, and, we're putting on blast the yes, liars and yes. the people who don't know anything about horses. Yes. And, this, <laughs> horse and, liars. and there's, and, and they're sucking up air when, when there are yes. legitimate people who, who should be listened to and should be, and whose advice should be followed. But these sort of charlatan folks are the ones who get all the attention and get all the coverage, right? Sort of sometimes. Yes. And, and they kind of will tell you like, they've got, you know, reasons for why they do it the way they do it. And they sort of rely on the listener not knowing anything about this topic so that they can get away with it and say like, Mm -hmm. they can, well, you just don't understand like the nature of recovery. And like, you just don't understand like how, you know, the disease of addiction, whatever. And they'll- No, I've been on meth for 10 years. I don't understand the nature of addiction. They'll co-opt the language. like they'll the nature of addiction. Yeah. They'll say like, you know, they'll, they'll kind of start with the medical language and then be, you know, it's like, the, the, the disease of addiction is, you know, they'll, they'll start with something that gets you. And it's like, yes. I remember reading like they're like they're, you read these rehab websites and like they kind of they can walk the walk like a little bit. Like they'll say just enough to like sound like they're going to do something that you want them to do. And then it, at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, and that's why the healing power of Christ is blah, blah. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was good before, Christ but now was there the whole time. <laughs> I don't, it was good before, but now it's weird. So, so you made it weird, Christ? Well, yeah, like, what, what about please, you? Please, 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 please. I mean, you know, like whatever, but uh, yeah, like, it, yeah. And, and there's that attitude. And it also too, there's something really interesting baked in there about like, like, I'm sure, you know, you think about this all the time as a person in recovery yourself, but it's like, there's just this like really deep, um, really deep seated 
theory about people who have had or or have at any point get a substance use disorder. It's not really about, it really is like this moral turpitude thing of like, well, this is something that is particular to you because of like your character or like your personal personality or whatever. Personal Um, issue. Exactly. So they play into that as well of like, well, these people are are different. And so I have to hook them with fine dining or I have to hook them with a pool because otherwise they won't want to get help for their illness, you know? And that's not true either. Um, that's not true, no. Like, so they rely on, they're taking, you know, people, actors like that are taking advantage of a lack of information in the broader public and also stereotypes about what people who need help with this sort of thing are like and what they need or like, you know, what, what, what we think that we should also sometimes like force feed people, you know, in order to make them heal. It's sort of, it's very like, it's very old fashioned. It's very funny. Like whenever I'm looking at it, it is very, it does make me feel like I'm like in like an episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman where it's like, they're, they're talking about like putting leeches on your face or something. Are we on the frontier? Like, like, is there like, a witch doctor? I know. Like, like, like a this Birkin is, bag? What's happening? It's crazy. Like this is 2021 people. Like we have modern mm. medicine. Like addiction can, treatment is very, can, is very much part of that. And like there are, you know, and that's the sort of deep irony too of it, right? Is that like, especially with opioid use disorder, medications are kind, are one of the most effective treatments that you can give people. Like gold standard of care for, for of like, vetted by, you know, the American Medical Association, like all sorts of experts like agree that this is the case. And yet Mm -hmm. when you do, when you look at these rehabs across the board, across the country, ah, God, it's something like 6% of them offer any of the medications. There's three, there's three proven effective medications that can work for opioid use disorder. And I think it's, it's a vanishingly small number of, 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 uh, rehabs that offer all three, um, and, or even offer one. And a lot of times there's a lot of weird, um, stigma with, you know, they'll say that they offer medications because what they offer is a medication assisted detox. So they will give you, you know, Suboxone for 14 days to help kind of like wean you off your heroin or whatever opioids you're using. And then they're going to sit down with you and say, let's taper. And that might be a good idea for some patients, but it's not a good idea for all patients. Um, And a lot of patients can continue successfully to be on these medications for longer periods of time. It's just that one size fits all thing again, right? Of like, well, medications aren't really sober and like you want to be really sober, right? So like- That is the thing too. I'll say that's for real too. Like that, that's a stigma too, that once you get- through the hump, once you want to be sober, once you've had a life without any substance, you don't want to take anything because you don't want to, because the risk is so crazy. And like Mm -hmm. even being on, you know, I've publicly said in here, I'm on like Prozac and like I'm on Mm -hmm. mental health stuff, but Mm -hmm. it was hard for me. I got nervous when I got sober about taking mental health medication because Mm -hmm. I was like, does that make me not sober? But Mm -hmm. it's not that at all. It's like, if your brain is in need of something, you know, and a doctor is advising you and sitting with you and telling you each month, like, how is it going and checking up on you? That's a very different thing than you self-prescribing, self-diagnosing. And um, I think that's really hard too, is that definitely I felt that from even from other sober people who've been mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I don't need medication anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's okay, but I do. And if right. I don't have Prozac, I'm laying in bed forever. Right. <laughs> so- You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, that's the funny thing, too, right? There's all these contradictions there. And it's such a complicated issue. But it's like, if we're going to really say that, like, you know, addiction is a medical illness or if even it's a disease, right? And people feel very comfortable yeah. saying that. Um, how do you treat diseases? I mean, medication. Really? Most people would say, yeah, take a medication for your cancer. Take a medication for yes, your diabetes. Exactly. Um, but there's, but it's, you know, but then there's sort of that extra like, uh, but like, it's not really sober. And like, you're not really in recovery. And like, that's a crutch, right? You know, because like, well, you should, if you're working the steps enough, like it should, you shouldn't need that anymore. And it's like, uh, maybe some people won't, but some people will. And it doesn't have anything to do with um, their morality or their character. No, no, no. Working whatever step you're doing has nothing to do with like, uh, psychiatrist saying right. like this is going to help your brain chemistry like mm-hmm. and and it and it's it's hard and it, what sucks is that all of this feels shameful for the patient yes. no matter how you spin it yep. and it's like i think that is why these companies do so much of the glitz and the glam and do so much scamming because yeah. there's a, a huge bucket of shame that comes in regret mm-hmm. like complete lack of self-esteem then if somebody's telling you you have a spa and like a sunless tanning booth and like mm-hmm. hot models are giving you coffee, you're like, well, maybe I'm not the most worthless person and maybe I could find a boyfriend out of this. Like, uh-huh. I think there's like, totally. you're trying to, yeah. you're trying desperately. I even think that's like with using is like every time you use or if somebody's trying to use, you think, well, maybe this will turn it around. Well, maybe this mm-hmm. will make it better. Like my stupid bullshit with that painting. I'm like, well, maybe this painting <laughs> I'll sell and make money back. Like it, I yep. was using that as something else to cure my totally. inadequacy. You yeah. know? And, yes. And so that's, and so when you have these people that set up programs that set up these fancy rehabs, they're showing you ways that you are so special and unique and different. And now yeah. we've blasted them. Do you have advice <laughs> for what should you look at? Like what if you have a friend, if you have a family member, like where should people go or even share on their own social medias for people to look for? Yes. To so not have this. it's, it's awful because the, I like, there should be a really good answer for this. And like we talked about before, like the guests, there's like we, there's not, well, but there's, there's things that are happening that I think are good. So like the first thing you should know is that, um, the addiction treatment, big, big addiction treatment industry of these sort of questionable rehabs, um, love to buy Google search words and they have like an absolute, absolute lock on a lot of these search terms. So uh, my first piece of mess of information is do not Google it. Like don't Google it. Don't, 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 don't. And if you do, if you're Googling, like if you're just interested in like learning about addiction, guess what? Those treatment centers are going to come up too. And it's going to look like content. It's going to look maybe like a news (gasps) article and it'll be like, you know, right. If you Google like equine therapy, you're probably going to see your first page will be like, oh, since the times of the Greeks, like blah, 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 like this amazing article about like how it's so great. And then as you scroll, maybe you'll get a little pop-up for a 1-800 number, 1-800 number. Do not call it. Do not ever Mm. call the 1-800 number. Never get on the phone with any of these people. Um, Okay. So those are the first two things. Don't Google it. Mm-hmm. Don't call the one eight hundred numbers if you end That's up on the wrong side. You're so right. These rich companies, of course, they'd spend money on Google. Of course, yeah. they would buy searches. And it's hard. And like you know, I've worked with nonprofits and stuff. It's like you can't even compete. I mean, luckily now, I think you know, well, not. I mean, it's been also very frustratingly slow pace with with Google, but they're they they are at least uh, they're aware that this is a problem. And um, I wish we're doing more more quickly to address it. But like they do know. Um, and some things. So like in some ways, like if you like you know the first two sponsored posts that come up will be like SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health Government Organization. So at least that's like, if you see a government 
like run dot thing. Org. Yeah, dot org, dot gov. Like those are the people you and even dot, you know, like yeah, it's it's tricky. Like it's such a weird space and there's there's just so much misinformation out there. Because it like, could be a dot gov dot co and you know uh-huh. that's a fake like, or it could be like a dot org and it's like we're a nonprofit, but like they're a nonprofit treatment company that doesn't follow evidence-based practices. So like yeah, they don't profit per se, but like they're trying to like push some agenda that maybe isn't true. So like it's hard. So don't Google it. Don't call the one eight hundred numbers. Okay. There are tools that could help you. Um an organization I work with called Shatterproof has a tool that is called Atlas, and that is it's okay. a treat and it's a treatment. So uh, treatmentatlas.gov, and this is something I will vouch for, um, is a tool. And it's it's, it's it live. spelled out one one word treatmentatlas treatmentatlas.org. Sorry, dot org. Um, okay. Yep. And and it's only it's it's live in um it's live in New York. It's live in California. It's live in like Louisiana. There's there's a it's it's rolling out slowly. It just launched last year. Slowly. I mean, it's like they're moving, the people, the wonderful people that work on this program are working at a breakneck pace to try and get right. it live in every single state. Compared very to soon. the yes. people. But it's, yeah. it's, you can, on that website, you can browse addiction treatment facilities near you by key indicators of quality. So before you get Ooh. into the treatment atlas system, it, you'll take a quick assessment that you can either take for yourself or on behalf of a loved one. It's anonymous. You don't have to give any information. We're right. never going to ask you. Yeah. No 1-800 number, nobody. So you'll take your assessment and It'll say, you know, based on this limited assessment, we would recommend, you know, that you get treatment that looks that has maybe these three things involved. And then once you have your assessment, you can go to the Atlas piece and, you know, enter your zip code. You can enter your insurance if you want. And this will help you filter through the the, the chaos of the treatment it facilities. Is chaos. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 um it's a very, very valuable tool that I really recommend um if 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 it's not live in a state in the state that you live in. Um, I, I, I hope it will be soon. Their plan is to have it be nationwide as, as soon as possible. So, um, and these are, these are, you know, public health people, like these are trustworthy people that are working on this tool. So it is not like Mm -hmm. sponsored by a treatment thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's reliable. No Starbucks in the drive-thru on the way. (laughs) There's no ads. Like it's a reliable, it's reliable, like, you know, and, and, um, and, it, and they work also, too, with a lot of the treatment facilities, you know, because there are lots of non-scammers out there who want to help. Yeah. So they work yeah. directly with a, with a lot of the treatment providers to, like, fill out this survey and, and get the information so that they can realistically show you what kind of treatment you'll get in these environments. And if, if they try to reach out to a, a facility and they decline to participate, that is also noted, um, which, oh, you know, good. perhaps a red flag. I'm not going to comment either way, yeah, I let's, guess. Let's but, get all you know. these red flags. Yes, yeah, exactly. let's look at everything. So, yeah. So I would say Treatment Atlas um, in key states is a great place to look. And 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 without that, there is findtreatment.gov is a government website where you can look up, um, you can see treatment facilities near you. Um the thing to know about, you know, arm yourself with information before you start reaching out to these people and, and get a clear sense of what you're looking for. And I would say that getting a clear sense of what you're looking for should come from a doctor. So if, if there's someone in your family that is dealing with this or you are dealing with this, a person that you should talk to is a therapist or a physician um, and, and see what they think. You know, and and try and yeah. you know if if I know we kind of earlier talked to about how hard it is to find medical professionals it's who tricky. understand this, yeah, but that's the kind but of ideal situation. I agree, and I think the other thing too that if you're going through this, even if you're going through this for a person that you love, I would say like find a partner, mm. like find another family member, a mm-hmm. friend, a, a coworker, just say with somebody, can I bounce these ideas off of you? Because totally. the problem with these companies that are feeding off of people, feeding off of panicked family members mm-hmm. even, is that you are completely isolated. So they're delivering information to you in one direction saying you need X, Y, and Z, and that's how your loved one will get sober or that's how you'll get sober. Mm-hmm. And it's proven over and over again. So they're just funneling their information yeah. at you, like as if you were on their spam website. Yeah. So even during this time, if you're on the phone with a person who's doing an intake or a recruiter or something mm-hmm. sort of weird like that, I would say find a buddy. Just like when you go into scary medical appointments and they talk to you about like how you're going to have a knee surgery, you go in with a friend so that they can hear what the doctor's saying too. So you're not, mm-hmm. if you get overwhelmed, I say find, use the buddy system for this as well. That is great advice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you can ask anyone, even, you can even just say, it could be anybody could just be like, this is what they sent me. Do you think this, does any of this sound fishy? They don't Mm -hmm. have to be experts in recovery. You just have to say like, does this sound fishy? Yeah. And, and it's worth running it by one more person. And 
the thing too with like addiction and all this treatment is that the families are embarrassed. The person mm-hmm. is embarrassed. There's so much hiding because you're so ashamed. Yes. That that's what they're feasting off of. Exactly. That's what these companies bank on. That's yep. why they offer you and they say it's seductive and they offer mm-hmm. you these like cash and prizes because mm-hmm. if you're alone, if nobody else knows, mm-hmm. if I charge you $60,000 and you're rich and you feel like the scum of the earth, you'll pay $60,000 a month because you feel that you deserve that. Like you should be punished in a way or something. Absolutely. Yes. Don't, it's already like a hard, hard uphill climb that I would Mm -hmm. say, try and find, use a buddy system in any way you can. I love that. That's exactly right. Like it's like, that's the spores are growing in the, in the dark and like the more that they can make you feel isolated. And you know, it is sort it's some of these people too, like you'll be on the phone with them and it is like, you do feel like you're, you're shopping for a used car. Like they'll try to tell you like, if you, uh, if you, if you say yes now, I can give you the special rate. And they will try to oh, pressure yeah. you to make a decision immediately, um, which I think most of us know in our heart of hearts is a bad sign. But again, like you said, like these are people who are panicking. These are people who are afraid, very afraid, like literally a life or death situation with their loved one. Um, and it makes, you know, and it's it's not a, a dig at anyone who has uh, gone through with this sort of treatment. Like they, they prey on people at their absolute lowest and at their absolute most vulnerable time. So that's how they get you. So it's hard. Like, you know, it sounds obvious, right, for us to be sitting here saying this, but like when you're that freaked out and you're on the phone and someone that sounds really nice is telling you that they're going to fix everything for you if you just put someone on a plane today. uh Uh-huh. Like that, that is a really seductive, powerful, dangerous thing. And they will do that. So, you know, as much as we can all prepare, it's just the sort of, it's like, you know, always the advice of like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And it, it can be very tempting Kool-Aid, like at, a, at when you're so very, confusing. very thirsty, you know, and like, it's very it confusing. Yeah. So there's also an article, um, a research article that says admission practices and costs of care for opiate use disorder at residential addiction treatment programs in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So people are trying to find this out. Mm-hmm. One of the things in the abstract, it's so simple. It just said most program required upfront payments with po- <laughs> with four profit programs charging more than twice as much as $17,400 as nonprofits charging $5,700. Recruitment techniques, for example, offering paid transportation were used frequently for by-profit but not non-profit programs. And this is really hard. Practices including admission offers during the call, upfront payments and recruitment techniques were common before they even had a clinical assessment. Yeah. So, so it should be raised concern if they're having you be administered, they're having you pay, mm-hmm. you're going into the program without any sort of clinical evaluation. Mm-hmm. And you have, I know they want you in the door and I yes. know that a clinic would want you to bring your loved ones to get help, but you have to have a clinical evaluation before you yes. pay. Yes. And this was yes. an audit survey of 613 residential programs nationally, yeah. uh, posing as uninsured cash paying individuals using heroin and seeking addiction treatment. So that's, they went in as these people, you know, undercover to see yeah, what happened. Yeah, like a secret and, shopper kind of. Yeah. And that's, yep. and yeah, the, and the, it's still very disturbing. One third of callers were offered were offered admission before clinical evaluation within one day. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the tricky thing, guys, is like, yeah, it sucks. It so sucks because you don't want to sit through a doctor's appointment if you're already depressed and like mm-hmm. buzzing out of your mind and coming off of a dose. Like nobody wants to do that, but that's how they make their money. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's also challenging too, right, to be like, uh, I feel like, um, a piece of shit right now. And I don't want to have to go see my primary care doctor and let them see me like this, you know, like oh, yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. real feeling for people too. So we it's golf like, together. How right? can you see me like, like this? You don't want to go to like, you know, I mean, if, if you do have like a regular doctor, there's also that barrier of like, I'm embarrassed. I don't want my regular doctor to know that I'm doing this. Like, I don't want, I don't want them to judge me or, or, or perceive me differently or anything like that. Um, so that's a very real barrier as well. Like, you know, but, and it can be tempting to go to these people who bill themselves as, you know, specialists and say, you know, we understand in this very special way. Um, And usually that's a bunch of bunk because they just want you in the door as quickly as possible. And it just comes down to like the the absolute most basic scammy salesy techniques where they'll just kind of do and say whatever um, to get your, you're kind of a widget and not a person and they want to like fill the beds. Right. So of course, and I've been like, when you're, we can all be 
a smart, savvy shoppers and smart people. But when you're feeling low or compensated in any way mentally, you're not going to make the best decision. Yes. So I also read because of that, I had that like thing I quoted very early about the one in four Massachusetts healthcare providers are received training in addiction. Mm-hmm. So Massachusetts actually took care of this and took this as a response. It, it went in their, it, it, not national, it went in their, um, what is it? Stately? State, What's yeah. the word? State, <laughs> the hospitals stately. took note. The stately uh, hospitals took note. They took a stately note, yes. Yeah, they took a stately note. So in this article, it said, a coalition of 12 Boston and Cambridge hospitals plain pledge to train their providers with better treatment addiction. And I have this also in our notes, and it's a list of hospital centers that pledge to support and create more addiction centers, addiction awareness. So the thing too is that you'll have these fancy people come at you and say, you can like ride our iguana, you know, for (laughs) $7,000 a ride. But, and, and we were saying that like not all Yes, not all doctors are as sensitive and not all hospitals are, but they are making huge progress. And so you can look at this if you're in the Boston, um, Cambridge area. And also, I bet if you do Google your own state and sort of like addiction change and hospital recognition, some hospitals that might now, okay, I will admit when I had a very overwhelmingly sad breakdown in my life, I had a series of hospitals I could have chose from. Mm-hmm. Like there's like seven around me in mm-hmm. New York. And I found that one specifically dealt with like depression, substance, and mental health. Mm-hmm. So it was maybe a two-second Google for me. Like when I was in the dregs of it going like, I need to get to a hospital. I could have just called 911 and gone to the local hospital, but I knew enough that um, they don't specialize in addiction treatment. So I did a very quick Google search. I found well Cornell um, downtown medical that completely handles that. Yes. I call them and they brought an ambulance to me Amazing. or you can take it. You can take a cab or whatever it is. Yeah. So you can also call the treatment center, even if you're like, oh, it's going to be expensive or they're going to charge me to get there. Any ho- hospital hospital. Work. Yes, exactly. Like that's the key. Yeah. like in Googling, right? Like you, like you Googled it, but like you were looking at hospitals and like, uh, that's, I'm sorry. Yes. No, I should no, say no. a hospital well, that no, had a, yeah, a, like, a specialized treatment center attached or a part yes. of it or center. And, and that's, there should be one within us, within a, a reachable radius. I mean, in some places, yes, as we were saying, some states don't have it or aren't anywhere close to it yet. But if you can take the time and gather yourself or find the way to get the ride, even if you have to cross state lines. It's so much more worth finding a hospital that is taking care of that, that is in the research, that is doing the work you need to do than guessing and kind of taking someone's... Yep. Addiction medicine, like that's a specific thing. That's a certification that actual doctors can get and that actual doctors Mm -hmm. have. Um, And you and you like the thing you'll post with the Massachusetts examples, I think it will be good because even if you don't live in that state, you can look at what they're what they do and how they present themselves and and look for something similar where you are. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's a good example to follow. So like if you're Googling, right. So like Googling like addiction treatment, like is fraught. But like if you're looking for like a hospital near you, like you can look at their staff, you can look at the sort Mm -hmm. of specializations that they have like that's all good like definitely do do that like that can really help and the i have also here for you guys i don't even know if anybody would read this but i'll put it in the notes it's the national association of addiction treatment providers and it's their strategic plan for the three-year period 2019 to 2021 now this is created in 2019 so i don't think they plan for the candy but they are trying really hard to make amendments to make a like a dick like to help this addiction to help change so they are trying to do it and so when it feels like you're at the end of your rope there's no one there they they are working on it even if it's very slowly that's right yeah and there are a lot of people who care a lot about this and and want to make it better so you know it's watch out for the scammers but also like mr rogers like find the helpers like there are lots of helpers there are so many trustworthy people out there like if and you know like we're talking about massachusetts like one of my favorite addiction doctors dr sarah wakeman you can follow her on like twitter like you know this these are things that help me sarah wakeman i love her she's amazing like you know it's it's like there are people that you can look 
to who will help you understand who like who have legitimate credentials and will help you understand what what should be done in these sorts of situations. And also too with the pandemic, um, as 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 disruptive and, and horrible as it has been, it also this one of the weird silver linings about it has been the real real benefit and proliferation of telehealth. Um, and yes, a lot of true. hospitals and doctors and everybody is really getting hip to telehealth in a really rapid way. So if you live in, in a rural area and it's hard for you to get to a hospital, ask if they have if they offer telehealth appointments. Um, you could be speaking to someone over Zoom and, and get your medication sent to your pharmacy. Like that could happen. Um, there There's a lot of creative stuff that's happening now. Um, and I think that there is so much room for improvement and so much and so much reason to feel optimistic. Um, but, you know, the scammer at the root of it is is really kind of the irresistible <laughs> bit. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> If you, I say like, also, if you still want to do equine treatment, go to a <laughs> farm, it. go to a barn. They would love it. They would My love mom's it. farm would love if anybody came and was like, look, can I please help you with the stalls? Can I brush mm-hmm. your horses? They'd say, please, like yes. Oats over there, Mr. <laughs> Oats, like hasn't had anybody visit him in weeks. Like yeah. it, animals love and would uh, really appreciate this, yes. you know, care as well. It goes both sides. but Absolutely. But watch out for the treatment centers that are have like a shiny unicorn horse telling you <laughs> you can have like caviar in bed and get sober. It's a yeah. very different experience. Yeah. Pebbles is not going to solve all your problems. Like and anyone <laughs> no. who's telling you that she will is putting too much pressure on that poor horse. And like, she's just, a peacock dressed up as a horse. So it's like it's very it's a, it's kind of clear. Why don't you just leave her alone? <laughs> Let her be a peacock. Why are you dressing her like a horse? It's so doing, awkward. She's doing her best. Yeah, okay. she is. We all are. <laughs> yeah. So this is all bonkers. Oh, just, I, I, we have to wrap up just because I have to get my son. But yes. I don't want to wrap up because oh, this is so fun. It's so fun. Thank you oh. so much for having me. Like, this has been a really wonderful conversation. And Did you want to blast any more companies? Like, is there anybody that you want to blast? I think anybody, I just can't emphasize enough how much you shouldn't trust anyone who has a 1-800 number on their website. Um, so anyone who is like looking for treatment or whatever, and you think you found something trustworthy, like if there's a 1-800 number on there, like, please run and and talk to run a doctor first, maybe. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they'll end up being legit and everything will be fine. But I have encountered a lot of, I've called a lot of those 1-800 numbers myself just to kind of see what they tell you. And it is shocking. And there's, and like you read that research earlier, like they've done this in a clinical way. They've sent out researchers to be sort of like secret shoppers and see what people yeah, will say to you. Is. And it's horrifying. So I think that there are a lot of really good actors out there who know this is a problem and are, and, and are willing to engage because they know it's a serious problem and they know that they have good intentions at heart. But I think like all scams, you'll know the people who get really defensive or get really like, but what are you talking like? Yeah, they're not. If you ask a cult leader if they're running a cult, they'll scream at you. Usually, no. so most of them get angry. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, if that weren't pissed. the they'll get pissed. Yeah. And that's another coercion tactic as well. Make you feel like you're insinuating something uncouth, but like, this is the reality of the, of the, of the environment we're in. So, you know, just just don't call any hundred numbers as as possible. Yes. Call your doctor. Call your doctor. (laughs) They won't judge you. And if they do uh, get another doctor, if you don't even, I'll say this, even if you're embarrassed as hell to see your doctor, you find out if another doctor takes your insurance yes. and you call that other yes. doctor, you go yes. to a second hospital, Absolutely. hospital on the other side of town. Absolutely. Like that's okay. You don't have to be proud yeah. of any of your no. faults and yep. you don't have to own it right away. Yeah. And you can be to discreet and- too. Like it's not, you don't have to feel like yeah. now I have to like be public about this. Like if you're uncomfortable like that, like leave Both, with that. That's okay. That's yeah, legitimate. That's okay. Yes. Let's go to a medical facility yes. that can help you. Medical facility. And also, a lot of them are used to people being anonymous yes. in the entire process. Like you, you yes. also, first of all, HIPAA, like medically, you're not supposed to share information with anybody else or no medical center is without your consent. And so you can also go in and say, I am very, I very much want to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. I don't want this traced back to anything in my life like mm-hmm. this until I'm ready to discuss it. That's when it will. So that's also an option you have as a patient, even if you feel lower than low and you can't sort of ask for things or, mm-hmm. you know, set your parameters because you're just in pain. Yeah. You can say, I'd like to keep this private. You're yeah, <laughs> totally. And like on that, yeah, especially like on that note, like if if it, it's so hard, you know, that is so important and advocating for yourself is so important. And, and if you feel like that's going to be hard for you, like 
put your hand up. Like there's so many people around you who love you, who want to help you like very, very much. And you know, you're I'll not- I'll help gonna... you guys. You can call yeah, Scam like, Loud. Call our 1-800 number. Hell yeah. I'll call you it. You call me any day. If somebody's not, this is the most serious thing I've ever said. If anybody is calling me in need of help for treatment, for anything, for addiction, I will stop everything I'm doing and yeah, help you. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Why right? wouldn't anyone? Yes. yes. And like no having that, that external person help you, because it can be really hard to see for yourself, like yes. what's going on. And, and that can, it can make you more vulnerable to, you know, weird stuff. Like, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier, having a buddy, like knowledge is power and numbers are power. If you have more people yes. that you can rely on to work together with you on this, then, then that can be very helpful That's as well. Yeah. Jess, you're incredible. You're such a treasure. I just oh. want to talk to you all day. Oh I just want to talk to you all day and hang out. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you just for being our guest. That was amazing. And guys, if you've ever experienced that, if you have a family member, if you had her tale or if you're dealing with your own experience in sobriety and have questions or want resources, please reach out. You know, our favorite thing to do is a mailbag. I love hearing from you guys because if we can't connect with each other in this community, then what the F are we doing? (laughs) Especially during COVID. This is how I connect. So you can always call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call. That number is 347-509-9414. You can email us at scamwapodcast at gmail.com. We're on the Instagrams at scamwapodcast. We're on Twitter, which I never check. We're on Facebook. Good luck there too. Um, But we just, we're crazy about you. So send us your scams. I'm still dying. Please somebody send me a scam that your grandmother did. I just want to hear about a grandma scam. I need a senior citizen scamming people because that, I think that's my goal in life is to reach the age and the comfort level that I'm just like proudly scamming left and right. And my grandchildren can talk about it on their podcasts. You know, let's see. I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Bye. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.